Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Psalm 46 is a psalm with a prophetic eye on the arrival of the messianic rule of Christ upon the earth. Jesus said he was coming back to reign. At the end of the period of the Great Tribulation, Christ will come during what is called the Battle of Armageddon. At that time, surrounded by enemies intent on destroying them, the Jewish people will give a cry of confession and a shout of surprise and shock as the identity of their Savior is made known to them. We don't know exactly what they will say at that time, but Scripture gives us a hint. Isaiah 64, verses 1 and 2, this is what they say, is a cry for deliverance. Oh, speaking to God, that you would rend the heaven, that you would come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence as when a fire kindles in the brushwood and the fire causes the water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. It was not just a prayer for deliverance, but it was also a cry of national repentance. That's what it will be. Look at verses 6 to 9. Actually, in between them is an expression of this repentance, rising and gaining root, but 6 to 9, it comes to a climax. But we are all, speaking of Israel, speaking of themselves, like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O Lord nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please, look, we are all your people. So it's a cry for deliverance, and it's a confession of sin. In answer to that prayer for for deliverance and confession, Christ returns, and he brings his judgment upon the nations. Christ spoke about it in Matthew 24, verse 30. He declares in that day that he shall appear, then shall appear the sign of a son of man in heaven, And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they shall see that Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's coming. Revelation chapter 19, verses 15 and 16 also speaks of the response of Jesus Christ to this cry for deliverance and this confession of sin by the nation of Israel. Jesus says at that moment he will return, and out of his mouth will go a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule With a rod of iron, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What will Israel do when they see him returning? When they see him arriving? You'll actually find the answer in Zechariah chapter 12. So turn there for a moment. Zechariah chapter 12. What will they do in response to this national cry for God's deliverance And this cry of repentance that all their righteousness has been filthy rags. God, deliver us because none of us have sought you. But now we acknowledge you are the potter. We are your vessels. Have mercy upon us. 
Verses 8 and 9, it says that this, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It shall be in that day that God says, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Right? This is the day of the battle of Armageddon. And then as he appears, we're told, God tells us, that he will give to the nation of Israel the spirit of supplication, of brokenness. It's the spirit of absolute and complete repentance. Whatever they said when he first came is multiplied in these cries. They will look upon me whom they have pierced and they will mourn. That's the way the response. Many people believe that Isaiah 53 gives expression to the prayer that the nation of Israel will pray at that time. What they will say at that time. That this will be the cry of the nation when Christ comes back in majesty and power with King of Kings and Lord of Lords upon His side. They will say He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. But surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement that brings us peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And they'll repent at the appearing of the one that they've pierced who comes to vanquish the nations and establish His kingdom upon the earth. What a dramatic moment. What a tremendously powerful expression of the coming King. Listen, when the Lord Jesus came, 2,000 years ago, he did not deny this vision, this idea that God would come as a king ruling from Jerusalem over all of the earth. It's what the people were anticipating. He didn't deny that vision, that hope, only he extended it. He indicated to them that this kingdom would come. He said that they would see him coming in the clouds with great glory and great might. But he also told them at this point in time that the kingdom would not only come, but that it had already come. And that it was among them. That the first expressions of the kingdom would not be so dramatic. That it would come and its first appearing would not be with fanfare as Christ penetrates through the crowds with the armies of heaven. But that it would come with a quiet move of God upon the hearts of those who would trust in Him. That the king would show up and arrive first as a lamb before he would return as a lion. That the kingdom was already present among them in the form of a humble carpenter from Nazareth who they needed to believe in, that he was among them. Actually, in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, we have this indicated. The Pharisees come to the Lord Jesus. If he's such a great teacher, please tell us when the kingdom of God would come. That was the preoccupation in their mind. When will we be rescued from this Roman power? They're surrounding us and infiltrating us. When will it come? The Lord Jesus answers, now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, the kingdom makes its first appearance in the hearts and lives of those who have made Jesus king. Psalm 46 and the prophecies of Psalm 46 prophesy of a kingdom that will be radiant in its appearance and will 
come from Jerusalem as a dramatic and apocalyptic rescue, and it will usher into a worldwide conquest. That's what it tells us will take place and what the kingdom is like. But the real question for us is if Jesus says it begins, its first inklings, its first expressions begin in the life of the person who's trusted in him. The real question for us, the immediate application of these verses for us is, has this kingdom and this king already made his appearance in your life? Are the first inklings of this rule, the very things that are being given testament to in Psalm 46, are they bearing witness? Are they manifesting themselves from your own lives? In other words, the question is, are you giving manifestation quietly of the king that we're singing about, that we rehearse in Psalm 46? This psalm tells us three hallmarks of this kingdom life that one day will descend from Jerusalem upon the earth, but now can rise up from our lives. For we are temples of the Spirit of God. He dwells and lives among us. Here are the three hallmarks. First is this. The first hallmark is that God becomes our confidence in the face of great tribulation. God becomes our confidence in the face of great tribulation. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. That is, great confidence in the face of great tribulation. The great tribulation will be a short period of graphic violence and destruction that covers the face of the earth. It will be a period of time that Revelation talks about as a terrible day of the Lord's judgments on the earth that will bring such upheavals to it that it will turn the world as we know right now upside down because of conflicts that will come upon it, because of earthquakes that will rattle it, because of cosmic collapses that will surround it. If you've ever been in an earthquake, there's nothing more unsettling than being in an earthquake. Revelation 16 verse 18 describes one of the earthquakes that's described in the book of Revelation that comes during this period of time. It calls it a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Maybe the caldera in Yellowstone will break up at that moment in time. Something cataclysmic. Something awful. Just the very thought of it, of such worldwide devastation, should be unsettling to you. To see it coming, to know it's coming. And yet... Before its prospect, we consider God's promise to rule one day over all the earth. And our position is this. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in time of trouble. We will not fear. We won't fear. Confidence that comes to us. A refuge speaks of wonderful protection, of wonderful security. Strength says something more than that. Not only does God house us in His security and protect us, but God becomes to us strength. He upholds us in the shakings of this decaying world and from the blast of the sea of a mankind who turns away from God in his rebellion. He keeps us firm when the earth seems to be falling away beneath our feet just because we're confident in him. We rest in him. We find our refuge in him. We find our strength in him and we will not fear. The application for this for us is this. If this kingdom has come to you, then it should be seen in your life before others as you confidently face the tumult of this world. When the tsunamis of life hit you, what comes out from your life as a testimony to before others? Is it fearlessness? 
confidence and trust, that will be a witness to the world of a kingdom that is yet to come, that has come and dwells in your life. Count on Him when the earth is shaking beneath your feet. That's the first application. Second one is this. God is also not only our confidence, but in this second stanza, we realize that God is our comfort. He is the reward of the victory that He wins. God is our comfort as a reward of the victory that He begins. Look at verse 6 for a moment and recognize that what verse 6 is is a summation of the history of the world. It's a study of the history of the course of humanity upon this earth. And when the history of man, as it is being written in our age, comes to an end, here's how it will tell itself. Here's a summation of the ongoing history that the world has been engaged in and is still writing. God is writing. Nations raged against God and His people. One kingdom after another rises up to tear the kingdom down that stands before it. That is... The Assyrians are pulled down by the Babylonians. The Babylonians are pulled down by the Persians. The Persians are pulled down by the Greeks. The Greeks are pulled down by the Romans. The Romans fracture into multiple kingdoms in which they wage war against one another. That's the history of the earth. The kingdoms are pulling down one another. God finally says, enough. And all resistance melts away before his presence. That is a summation of the history of the world. And in the place of all the vying of earthly kingdoms will be the city of God, and with it the comfort and peace and fruitfulness that only He could bring. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this message, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, the Lord bless you.